up, what's up? Welcome to episode 11 PM Podcast. First, the first podcast of 2023. I hope you guys had a great holiday. Uh, I had a pretty good holiday too. It was, uh, uh, I drank a lot, probably too much, ate a lot of good food. But yeah, it was a good way to end the year. Um, good way to end a very shitty year for me anyway. Man, what a year it was. So today on the podcast, first episode of the of the of the year, got uh Joel Rivas, who runs uh an organization called Herd. It is an organization that that helps uh service industry workers find mental health care, uh, which is something really important to me because I I struggle with uh you know depression and 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 stuff like that and stuff like that. I struggle with depression and uh other mental health issues and not having access to that because you don't have healthcare or because it's literally Im- impossible to afford it on a cook salary or a bartender's salary um or any other variation of the service industry salary. This organization, Joel's organization helps connect you with groups, communities that will help you get access to affordable healthcare or just give you a community that will help you get to meetings if you're uh if you have an addiction or you need people to talk to which is which is a beautiful thing cuz this whole that's really all we have really i mean we get paid so little we work super fucking hard and we don't really get treated right by customers a lot of the time or owners of businesses technically uh so all we really have is each other and what's what Joel's doing is is amazing amazing shit so i want to just you know put the word out as much as possible about Joel and and Herd they're going through a little uh i guess you could call it restructuring right now which which he talks about a little at the beginning of this episode but i'll let him explain it he's he's far more knowledgeable than 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 i on these on this on the subject of nonprofits. But I met Joel. I had just started, I think, man, I think I just started the, I was like getting together the first issue of Peon, which took me a whole year because I had to build the whole infrastructure of the whole website and learn all that stuff and learn Adobe and all that kind of stuff too. So it took me a long time. But as I was shaping it, I was at a bar, this new, this new like coffee shop bar on the east side of Austin. And it was Tuesday or something like that. It was dead. There was nobody there except for like this little group of people. And all of a sudden, Joel got up and started talking. And I was like, oh, what the hell did we just walk into? I'm thinking it's like, you know, um, you know, comedy night or something like that, stand-up night, open mic night or something like that. But no, it was Joel doing something he they don't really do anymore, which is uh, they used to do meetups in San Antonio and Austin for people in the industry to just come and talk about addiction, their own stories, uh, mental health, just have a place to talk and, 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 you know, make you feel like you have a support system. And so Joel just starts talking and he's telling us the, how he got like clean and, and, and how he went to Mexico to sober up. And then, you know, his journey through the kitchens and afterwards I talked to him and I was like, man, dude, this is, this is amazing. I, I just, I'm trying to create this magazine where, I want, you know, service industry people to like tell their stories and I want them to have a platform to 
just talk, just talk, you know, without any sort of barrier or, or, you know, award or any journalists in the way. And there was this guy who was just doing it right there. So I talked to him and I was like, Hey man, let's do something. And then, you know, we, we talked a few times, went back and forth. And also he lives in San Antonio. I live in Austin. Um, and then I got busy and stuff like that. So it never really happened. And then the pandemic hit and I was doing issue two and I contacted him again and I said, Hey man, like when we sit down again and talk about, you know, you may be writing something, just writing your story. Just I'll, I'll edit it. And that was great. Cause we were also talking about some sort of collaboration to like get the ma- the, you know, heard in into the magazine somehow, kind of like advertise it, get the word out about it. And then that didn't happen either. You know, just life shit happens, you know, and, and, um, and I understand it's hard to sit down and, and write your story and then also just write writing's fucking hard shit. So I, I totally get it. And then for a while this year we were talking and I was like, Hey man, I got, I got this podcast. I think it's a perfect place to like, for you to just come on and we'll just, we'll just talk, you know, it's, it's great. Um, and so after, you know, he, he had, he had a hell of a year, you know, he had, he had, as he talks about, he had COVID and he had some other, um, health issues and things like that. And, you know, you know, he has a family and he has a wife and stuff. So he's a, he's a, a busy guy. And, but I'm so happy we finally got to sit down and talk because what he's doing is, is amazing. And it deserves all the, all the fucking support that he can get. Seriously. Um, I'm lucky enough to work at a restaurant that offers mental health care through, um, an organization in, in Austin. So there's some support there, but there's literally zero of that anywhere else. And there's no awareness of it either. It's like, if you're in a kitchen, there's no mention of healthcare. There's no, uh, sorry, mental health care. And there's no mention of any sort of, of your insurance being able to support that. And, uh, this job takes a toll mentally and physically, but we don't, we don't really talk about the mental strain that it takes on people until it happens. You know what I mean? I mean, so I think it's something to to talk about a lot and, uh, keep it out there, keep it going. I remember when, uh, when Bourdain died, the one like takeaway I, I had from that, well, there's many takeaways of course, but the one takeaway I had from that was as a person who, who deals with depression a lot, like on a daily basis is just to make it, known to people because no one knew that Bourdain was depressed. No one had any idea. They didn't know. They were just like, what the happiest guy in the world with the best job in the world with all the coolest friends and everything. He killed himself. That's crazy. No one knew except for like a few people close to him. And even then he kind of was like a little skittish about it. So I've tried to make it more obvious to people that if I'm, if I'm having a rough time, I'll tell my family like, I'm going through through some shit right now. And uh so I think that I think that's really important to just keep it keep the word out there. Shit. I don't know. Uh I hope that this year is a lot better. I'm I'm going to try I'm going to say this right now, but I can't I can't be held to it cuz cuz life gets in the way a lot of the time. But my plans for 2023 are at the very least to try and get the podcast up to one episode a week. So that's four a month. If I can manage that again, it's just me doing all this shit on top of that. Um, I have two issues planned for this year. 
but one of those is extremely <laughs> involved. I've done a lot of legwork behind that one. So hopefully that one won't be that hard, but you know, you never know. You never know. Um, it's just me. I can't afford any help. So I try to just make sure that it's, it's good and that I like it and, uh, that it's interesting and different. You know, there's a lot of shit out there. There's a lot of bobbishes. There's a lot of, what's his name? Fucking Weissman's and shit. You know what I mean? There's not, you know, just trying to be different and unique and like offer something interesting to the conversation of the service industry and the food industry and stuff. So if it takes a while, I mean, I didn't release an issue last year because it just, just didn't happen. So I, I'm just trying to be, make sure that what I do in terms of the online magazine is interesting and different and, and, uh, sort of pushes it forward every single time and makes it, makes it fun and different. So those are my goals for this year. We'll see if that happens. I hope it happens. You know, I'm going to put all my fucking, uh, effort into that, but you know, still got to make money. Still got to go to work. Still got to be, you know, have a life. So we'll see what happens, man. Um, I just wanted to also look over like some of the, the podcasts, uh, from last year and kind of like reminisce a little bit. It's wild that I'm looking over this and it, I only did 10 last year, which kind of sucks, but it's okay. You know, it started in, in July and then ended in, um, in December. But I mean, dude, I, I, I think these starting with, you know, my best friend Keaton and then going to a Michelin star chef with, you know, Christopher Hatuft is crazy, man. In the span of six months, that's wild, man. Me and my buddy Keaton did the first episode in my my little shed, we'll call it my little apartment, and that was crazy. I think that that one just really sets the tone for for what this is. You know what I mean? This I don't. I want this to be. I've said this multiple times, but I want this this podcast to show the the you know breadth and depth and variety of what the service industry and the food industry is. So you got, you know, guys like Keaton who have worked in like sandwich shops with fucking ex-cons and shit. And then you got literally, you know, ending the year with uh, Christopher Hatuft who just got a Michelin star um, last year. So, I mean, shit, if that doesn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, then I don't know what will. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, there's so much similarity there too because uh, Chef Hatuft is like such a cool, like, you know, down to earth dude who just like curses just like any other cook and you know talks shit just like any other cook so we're all just the fucking same and i'm trying to see how many times i can say fuck in this intro uh that episode two was with um kyle who's a killer photographer in new york uh if you haven't checked out his shit check it out he just came out with the book of his see you next tuesday series just look up see you next tuesday the book is 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 available still. I hope it's still available. If he sold out, then fuck yeah, congratulations. But I think there's still some available. It's a badass series. If you haven't listened to that episode, check that episode out as well. Um, I'm also looking through this. It's wild. I forgot the bear came out. Like the bear was just like such a fucking splash in the pan. Like everybody freaked out about it and lost their shit over it. Some like a lot of the people that I know didn't really like. They had such strong negative reactions to it. And then like you know, I know a lot of people who fucking loved it 
and um, had really positive reactions to it. I kind of want to go back through and like watch it now that everything's settled down. I think I, originally I talked about doing a series on my Patreon where I just go through each episode and talk about it. I might actually do that now that everything's kind of calmed down kind of as a ramp up to season two, if which I'm sure they're probably filming right now. Um, so that, that'll that probably end up doing because I'm getting better at editing. It's getting easier. I'm doing these a lot quicker. So I think I'll plan on doing something like that. I'll let you know if that when that happens. Uh, episode three, man, I felt like um, that was wild, man. Jesse Quide, uh, who's somebody I followed for a long time. I watched, like I said, his, his Munchies episode like so many times. And so it's wild to talk to Jesse and uh he was he's the shit man seriously uh Andy Andrew Jack the big the big part of that episode was him meeting Guy Fieri and he somehow found a, a picture of him with Guy Fieri it's crazy he's like i thought he was telling me that he was just kind of like on this on the side of the stage like just hanging out over there and Guy Fieri was on the stage and like he just was floating around no he has a picture of him like like Arms around Guy Fieri. It's great. It's cool shit. Maybe Andy can hook me up with Guy Fieri. Uh, need him on the podcast. Number one guest. That's a goal for this year. Get Guy Fieri on the podcast. If anybody can hook that up, please help. Hey, maybe Christopher knows him. Maybe Chef Hatov knows him. Um, ben Randall. Uh, episode six. This episode has quite a lot of similarities to that episode because um, uh, Joel is you know he's in recovery just like ben is sober so there's there's some relation there um you'll if you listen to that episode there's definitely like some relation between uh these two guys working in these fast-paced kitchens and just like trying to keep the party going you know it's hard to distinguish between it's hard sometimes to distinguish between the shift feeling like a party and then getting off and you're like, well, let's keep the party going. And But the older you get, I think you realize like, no, this is not a party. This is a shift. I need to go the fuck home. I need to rest and I need to relax so that I can do it again tomorrow. You know, I'm, I'm still learning that and I'm fucking 35 and I've been in the industry for like so long. So yeah. Um, episode seven, my buddy Huey. That one really threw a curveball at sets of people. I love that. I love doing that episode, man. He was the shit. He didn't think he would be good on the podcast. And then it turned out so fucking good. That's what I keep trying to like tell people. A lot of people are kind of apprehensive about doing this. But then it's just it's just a conversation. We just talk. And then stories start to flow and all the, you know, it all comes out. You start remembering all these crazy things. But I love doing that episode. It was so much fun. They had my first Jimmy John sandwich last year too, man. What an accomplishment. What an accomplished year. And then that threw such a curveball to like the cook people in my life. They were like, who the fuck is this guy? Why would you have him on the podcast? Again, it's to show the variety and, you know, of the industry, of the people in the industry. Some people just get thrown in this shit and they don't even want to be in it. So that was definitely Huey. And then, oh, God, dude, we got to talk about this one. Fuck. Oh, dude. Yeah, you, sometimes, man, you don't realize how shit fucks you up. Episode 8, tribute to my, my my friend DK, legend of Austin. Man, you don't realize how, like, deaths fuck you up until later. And you're just like, you're just like whoa, what the, what the hell? Why was I so angry for a while there? Oh, because my friend died and I didn't deal with it. 
I'm still I'm still still trying to deal with that. I hope that there's some sort of closure on that soon. I don't really want to talk about that more anymore, but <laughs> that's me going, I should deal with it. And then I don't deal with it. So I go to episode nine. <laughs> I killed uh, my buddy, Dominic, Dominic candy, dude, Dom's been blowing up. I love it. I think that was a great episode. That was, that was so much fun. Just reminiscing about old, old coworkers and like kind of tracing the whole like dining scene through Austin was super cool. You know, if, if you if you trace the the trajectory of Austin, you can kind of see it through me and him talking because we're just like some line cooks who started in like shitty, you know, food trucks. And then uh, you can see how we kind of worked our way through kitchens and how the kitchens started to get better and better. And the chefs in town got better and better. Uh, and, the, and the food community kind of grew. It's it's wild to, to think about that just through me and, and, and a friend. And then end of the year. Perfect with uh, Christopher Hattuft, man. That was a wild episode. Still my favorite. That dude needs like a TV show or something like that, man. He's a fucking legend. He is he is awesome. Uh, just killing it. That was that's a wild little uh, little ride I went on, huh? From July to December. Yeah, that was that's a good run. All right, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens this year. As always, I'll say. You know, Patreon's still up there. If you'd like to donate, I'd love that. That gives me more more time to work on this stuff. It gives me more resources. I'd like to somehow hire an editor so that I don't have to spend all the time editing. I can just record them, send them off. But, you know, that, that costs money. So if you'd like to deno- donate or support, peonmagazine.com slash support. There's some links there and stuff. And I think at the bottom of the description of the podcast, there should be a little donation link from Red Circle, which is the podcasting service I use. Also, you can support me by just buying some merch. Got some cool-ass merch up there. That's at peonmagazine.com slash store. Uh, and then if you have any suggestions for, for people to that you want to see on the podcast, send them to my, just DM me on Instagram, at peonmagazine, or go to the website. I got an email on there. Yeah, man, I'd love some, some suggestions. I'd love people to like just be like, hey, try and get this person, or hey, I have a friend who has some crazy stories, let have them on, you know? There's no barrier to entry on this podcast. I'll talk to anybody. It's it's mainly about time and commitment and things like that. So um, yeah, I hope everybody had a great holiday season. I hope you guys have big plans for 2023. Uh, I think this is a great way to start off with, you know, some mental health awareness, some health awareness, and a great talk with... Uh, Joel from Herd. If you do need any sort of resources, uh, Joel talks about it at the end of this episode, but I'll just say right now, you can go to iheardyou.org or at the Instagram at herd underscore org. They have tons of resources. They'll help you, whatever you need. Do not be shy. <laughs> ask questions. If you need help, ask for help, okay? All right. Have a great 2023. I'll see you in a couple weeks. And then hopefully we'll get down a schedule of weekly podcasts. All right. Enjoy this episode. Good on your end. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. good. Been, uh, getting over COVID and bronchitis and all kinds of stuff. So. 
Yeah, man, you've had a you've had a hell of a year. <laughs> it has been, <laughs> been a year. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, I'm all right. It's been it's been a year too. You know, uh, you know, rough rough year, but it's all right, man. It's gonna it's looking it's looking bright. Good. Good. Yeah, how's, yeah. The, how's the zine doing? Oh, uh, it's good. It's been it's been uh, very uh, challenging because I I you know working and having. Uh, just day to day life, as well as yeah. like working on the magazine, it's it's hard. It's hard doing yeah. that stuff. Uh, just just me as well, you know. So yeah. it's good though. It's, the podcast has been a great addition. Everybody seems to like it a lot. Good. So oh, that's, that's awesome. fun. Yeah, cool. I'm glad we finally uh, connected on on yeah. this. You're a, you're a busy you're a busy man. <laughs> yeah. <That's... laughs> yeah. How's everything going uh, with uh, Herd and and Saint City? So, so it's going okay. Like I said, we've had a, we've had a, a, quite the year. We're, um, we're going to be doing some restructuring. So, okay, Bird has continued to grow um, quite a bit, and of course, as you know, yeah. like need for what what Herd does um, has grown. Uh, it has grown past the point of where Saint City can support it. So we are yeah. looking for a new home, uh, probably a larger nonprofit that can scale it. Um, okay. and, and actually, actually grow it and, 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 uh, uh, do something with it. Um, and we'll be actually closing the doors to St. City at the end of the year. So, dang. Okay. Uh, yeah. So wow. we're, um, it just, we just, that the financial support on the, on our nonprofit end is just this year, just, it wasn't there. We, we, uh, some grants that we've gotten the past few years, uh, they, Granted, other nonprofits with it, and Dang. Um, uh, and just I think just you know a lot a lot of donor giving just is always reactionary. I think all nonprofits see a lot yeah. of that. So yeah, you know, there's so many other things that pop up, and other you know nonprofits nonprofits kind of com- compete for the same realm of people a lot of times, and so yeah, and so we were just it was just really too much or us to be able to, to kind of carry on as, as an organization. And so, uh, but the program and the need is still there. And so we're going to look for a new home for it and, and, uh, and keep that going as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. How's that, how's that search been going so far? So far, so far, so good. Um, we, we've, we've had a couple of people that are, that are interested in it. They just want to make sure they have the manpower, um, and infrastructure to mm-hmm. going. So, uh, we're, we've got to scale back uh, some of the services for the time being. Um, and uh, we're doing more of kind of what we originally did was, you know, we're, we're keeping up the support, the peer led support groups, because uh, those are really volunteer based uh, and doing that um, with uh, uh, online. Our online national support group is probably the most well attended and, and most uh, what we have the most, the most focus on and, and more people uh, that actually attend. Um, and then whenever we have individuals looking for therapy in their, in their, in their, uh, respective cities, mm-hmm. um, what we'll do is we'll work with whatever County resources are available and kind of help them cut through the red tape and find okay. low cost or no cost, uh, therapy options for them in, in their cities. Um, so we have people from different States that request help and stuff. So, so yeah. 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 Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah. so people are still getting the help they need. Yeah. 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 We still have the, the healthcare option available, the telehealth option available for people that don't have insurance yeah. and want to have that 
needed a primary care physician access, uh, you know, for the $29 a month. Uh, we use a third-party um, uh, telehealth provider for that. Um, yeah. And that's still, that still works out. So we still have people, you know, weekly and monthly that, that sign up for that. So that's great. Uh, that's yeah. Fantastic. We're, we're still, you know, working in, in, in as much as possible and nice. uh, to help as many as possible, you know, that it's, it's that I think a lot of light was shed on mental health and wellness issues in the industry during the pandemic. And then now we're sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. people have gone back to, business is used normal and a lot of people really kind of like, ah, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's just yeah. people <laughs> again. So yeah. Yeah. But, uh, There's still lots, a lot of work to be done. Yeah. A lot of work to be done. Of course. Just, you know, yeah. yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, let's, I guess let's start at the beginning. I mean, yeah. uh, how did you get into uh, the food service industry and, and why? Oh man. Um, I started working in the industry when I was 17, where I, I started working, uh, like a lot of back house people, I started washing dishes, uh, working at dish pit and then, uh, moved up to, uh, doing prep and then working the line, uh, and did that, you know, um, early on. And then, uh, started working in front of house and, and serving as a server. Just, you know, I, I, I found that I was able to, you know, make tips and that was cool. And, oh, yeah. and so, so well, started. What yeah. was the, uh, was that all the same restaurant or, oh, or no, did, you, no. did you, okay. It was in Dallas. So I worked at, um, gosh, I worked on the border. I worked at a couple independent uh, Italian restaurants in Arlington area, uh, mm-hmm. and worked at a couple like barn grill, you know, places there in the Dallas, you know, near uptown Dallas area. Um, so mm-hmm. it was, I, 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 there were times I had, I don't know, I worked at three different places you know, a week, you know, it was just Jeez, like man. restaurants. I would just kind of rotate days and, uh, you know, yeah. it was back in the day, you know, when, you know, most jobs paid five fifty an hour. I mean, this was the mid nineties, you know, five fifty six dollars an hour and lived in a house with four other guys and <laughs> it all worked in the yeah. industry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I remember just, I worked a lot there kind of downtown, uptown Dallas area. Why did you get that that first dishwashing job? What what drew you to that? Um, God, you know, I just I had people that worked. I had friends that, that worked in kind of back of house at different restaurants, and it was just uh, it was something that didn't require. Uh, I thought that really required a lot of you know a little, gave me free time and it was something I could you know wear whatever to. And uh, it was you know when you're seventeen, the sort of ease of it. Yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. you know, and it, so it was. I go back there and put on, you know, a smock and, and just put your head down and just do your job, yeah. you know, for eight hours. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that was, it was just, you know, I like kind of think back and I was like, God, that was great. <laughs> you could just, you know, like <laughs> yeah, a walk no responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a Walkman right. and just kind of clipped it on the, the, the back of my pants and like, we just, you know, to the dishes. Yeah. Listen yeah. To you listen to BC Boys and uh, Smash Your Bucket. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, so you, you, you'd enjoyed it then. You enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and I, I really, what kind of kept me, I think, in the industry was was just because everyone ends up being like, you know, your your 
group, your people and your social circle. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah. Uh, and, and everyone kind of has the same stories. And uh, when you're that age, I think finding a sense of belonging uh, is important. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and working sure. in a restaurant, uh, and, you know, and, and, and you get that sense of belonging and you get that kind of group of people and, um, and you can commiserate about the same, you know, the same shit and, <laughs> Uh, yeah. and things like yeah. that. So it's, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it felt good to have like this group of people that was very different than kind of, so I grew up in a very, uh, conservative Baptist household growing up and, oh, wow. okay. uh, my dad was a Baptist pastor and so was my grandfather. And so wow. this was something that, you know, as, as, you know, I guess some people would receive rebel, but I mean, as I moved out of my house when I was, you know, after, after I graduated from high school and, um, and it was just, it was a, a very totally different, different I grew up in. I had yeah. a lot of freedom yeah. in what I did. And, uh, and so, especially when I started waiting tables and not have cash in my pocket at the end of the night. Um, and it was just, uh, it was, yeah, it was just, I think of freedom and, and belonging and having an instant tribe of people that all hung out together, yeah. lived together, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. What, uh, what made you start, uh, doing like prep and, and, and cooking then? Was that just like um, sort of a natural transition there? I think I think the first time was out of necessity. They needed somebody. Oh yeah, uh, just to chop. Somebody to show up to work or something. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Hey, you know, do you know how to chop onions and and stuff?" And and it was really it was just one of those machines, you know, the machines. Oh, you oh like down. you just push down. Yeah, and you and push it. It was, it, just, it. I mean, it was a <laughs> um, it was a Tex-Mex place, and so it was just a lot of like onions and tomatoes and. Uh, and stuff. Okay. And so, um, and again, I liked it. I like the, I like that you could, the repetitive doing the same thing over and over again. And just at the same time, you know, they had music playing back there and, uh, everyone's just talking shit to each other. And yeah. it's, you know, it was just and yelling at the, the servers. And it was just, it was, I just, <laughs> you know, when you're at that point, I was 18, 18 years old or so. And, mm-hmm. It was just, yeah. uh, it was fun. That life seems appealing, right? Yeah. yeah it, it seems fun. crazy it and chaotic. <laughs> yeah. 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 My, my first job, my first cooking job was in a food truck and it was exactly like that. It was just chaos. <laughs> this music playing so loud, you can't hear anything. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a fun environment. Um, yeah. And then before you know it, like the night's done Yeah, and everyone has that collective like sigh and, oh, yeah. you know, it feels like you went through something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it felt good, and you know, at that time you have lots of energy, and so, in in you almost after you get off, you have this still kind of buzz of, of like working and moving all night. So, oh yeah, that point, you know, we go to somebody's house and, you know, drink beer or whatever, and so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you uh, did you end up working the line at that place as well? Um, I ended up no. I think the first place I worked the line at was. Uh, this little Italian joint in Arlington, um, where I worked the line, I worked, uh, basically boiling, um, you know, they prep, uh, individual servings of pasta. And so basically, you know, keep throwing them in the water, uh, doing that and then working the fryer there, you know, basically frying fried mozzarella and calamari and things like that. So, um, uh, that was the first time doing prep was, was, was there at that Italian place. Yeah. 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 Did you, did you enjoy cooking as much as you, uh, uh, like 
enjoyed, uh, I guess, the freedom of the dish pit? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, there were lots of other things I, 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 I liked about it. It was, it moved a lot quicker and it, there was a lot yeah. more variety and changing things up. So I guess it was a little more challenging, I guess. And so, yeah. um, and so, but it was, again, it was, you know, I remember it was very, um, it was kind of the same things. It was, you know, fettuccine Alfredo or spaghetti and meat sauce. And, yeah. you know, a lot of it was just, was just plating and moving, uh, things, but it was, but yeah, I, I enjoyed, I did. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that part because, you know, the dish pit, you're usually by yourself for most of the night. And yeah. uh, on the line, you know, we would have three or four guys there that, uh, that you'd have for the night kind of, you know, uh, so that again, that camaraderie and stuff was, was fun for me and, uh, yeah. and stuff. So, um, but yeah. How, well, how many, how many cooking jobs did you have before you ended up moving to the front of house? <sighs> Probably two. I guess right three, three, three jobs. And then, and then in one of the places, one bar and grill I worked at, I did both is rice is rice. Oh, really? Yeah. So some nights I would, I would be <laughs> back cause there'd only be two cooks there. Um, and we'd be back there. And then, uh, some nights I would, I, I'd work front of house whenever they, I, I could slip in and do that. And so, um, that's interesting. I've never heard of anybody doing that. Like part-time cook, yeah, part-time. Yeah. It, was, it was the mid nineties, man. It was, that kind of kind of craziness yeah and it was it was a it was a it was a like it was over off of lower greenville avenue so it was kind of by uh, uh i know a lot of like smu kids would go there you know it was it was, a, it was burgers chicken sandwiches fries loaded yeah, fries yeah. you know kind of Co- stuff college uh, food kind yeah, of stuff. yeah it was it was bar food I, so fried mushrooms <laughs> so yeah it wasn't yeah, any yeah. I never did like, like really, um, I, I was, you know, I was never a chef. I was never like a, I never did any like really fancy cooking or anything I did was kind of line dog stuff. And, um, then I, I guess, then I, <laughs> yeah, I so, mean, that's, that's where I think most people come from, you know, yeah. people don't really appreciate that kind of, that kind of stuff. Cause most oh, of yeah. the highlight is on the, the chefs and the people doing fine dining. But I mean, most, most, most line cooks are just doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 and, and I, I loved, I really did love, you know, thinking back, I really did love the, the, uh, like that casual camaraderie and the way the banter and things like that you have back in the back. Yeah, there's, um, there's nothing else like it. Well, I've never, I've never uh, yeah. heard anything or been at yeah. any other job like that. Exactly. So. Initiating like new line cooks and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, did you guys have any initiation uh, like, oh, things it, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, mostly it would be things like I think it was mostly just like giving people shit and like being really gross and, and inappropriate. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it was, it's so, yeah. I, I talk with people on the, the the inappropriateness that happened in like in that time compared to now. It's oh. like. I there's, can't even imagine. Uh, there was, there was yeah. no HR department. There was no. <laughs> no. no. There's barely one right now, you know. It was. It was, it was can't pretty imagine terrible. back then. It was pretty terrible. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just, it was mostly, you know, giving people shit and, and uh, yeah. 
I, I, I did you uh did you uh enjoy enjoy being a server or did you find that uh i did um i enjoyed so so i i did um i really enjoyed being a server when it was like a barn grill type setting or like a college bar type setting um i did a little bit of of sort of fine dining at an italian place in dallas um i didn't like that so much um, too stiff is that, is that what it was stiff. and i found that you know like in a college bar that the more i pump the you know the drinks up the <laughs> i would make yeah and so I, I i i love that i mean i love that part of it. i more than anything with serving i loved it because i could walk with cash at the end of the night and i always had you yeah, know right. cash in my pocket at the end of the night which was nice and so but yeah but then you you know it's 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 I, I I appreciate the fact that I had to work back at house because I just you you kind of when it comes to things like tipping out your busser and 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 back then you didn't really tip out the kitchen but I found that I had a lot more empathy of what was happening in the back of the house. Um, yeah. Also, I was able to you know gain favor from people that were working in the kitchen because I knew that they were going through yeah stuff and so. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, if I needed something on the fly or, or I, I could get it, you know, pretty quickly. So, yeah, they, nice. they understood that you were, uh, you would, you would experienced what they were going through. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where did you, uh, where did you go to from, uh, from that, from that place? Did you go uh, back to the kitchen or did you stay in front oh, of house? I stayed, I stayed in front of the house and they started, um, uh, then when I did a little bartending at a beer bar. Uh, there in on Laura Greenville in Dallas, um, that doesn't exist. Actually, moved locations. It's still there, called the Barley House. Uh, and then, not long after that, that I went to rehab, and um, oh, geez. and I moved yeah. out of the country actually for three three and a half years um, to really get cleaned up and uh, just really get my life straight. And then came back to. The U.S. in uh, in 1999 and started um, and went to college and then I started bartending. And I bartended. I just bartended through college. Uh, did uh, a couple of restaurants and then uh, did banquet bartending uh, with the hotel and their catering department uh, and did that pretty much through college. So wait, yeah. so uh, so did, was your addiction leading up to that point or was it, uh, yeah, so, was, I guess, so, was it, was it because of working in kitchens, I guess is what well, I mean, working in kitchens and restaurants period. Again, you, your social circle, my social circle was everyone I worked with. And of course, like after work, everyone goes out or everyone, you know, hangs out together. Um, and that, that structure, that, that, that mentality and the dynamic of, of that, um, there's nothing like it and there's so much beauty and there's so such a great it's such a great industry because of that the downside sometimes is that you have people that enable uh enable things that you do and for me it was uh it was it was drug use and um and i'd lost several jobs uh you know over the oh, course geez. of a couple of years because mm -hmm. Um, you know, I would call off on so many shifts, start to show up late, you know, or it, you know, it'd be basically, I'd be up all night. Um, I was hooked on coke and meth for a couple of years, and it was 
uh, I'd be up all night or up for a couple days. I'd miss shifts and got fired from several places. And uh, finally, in uh, 1996, um, I I was at my worst point in in my life, just addiction wise. And uh, my mother had died that year, and I think it was just oh, geez, man. <clears throat> not knowing how to cope with that and not having any, yeah. you know, I have no idea what therapy was or mental health. And then, yeah, I know. Yeah. Right back then it was, yeah, it was, it was non-existent. And so, um, and so for me, coping was, was drinking heavily or doing blow. And now, you know, that was just, and so I just spun out of control for several months and then, um, uh, decided to go to rehab and live with my family in Mexico city. Uh, was how did that, how did that happen? Did that, uh, was that something, did you just hit a, a bottom and you realized you had yeah. to change or was it, uh, was it a moment? Yes, I, hit, I hit a bottom. I, I was, uh, I was fired from, was basically through everything through, 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 through a few years, the constant was this one, uh, born girl I worked at, uh, called the green elephant in Dallas. And, um, it was like my home. Uh, it was, it was when you work somewhere, that's like your home. And even though you work oh, yeah. other as you always work at that place, at least a few days a week. Um, yeah. and so finally it got to the point where I lost my job there and I was just like oh, devastated, uh, which in hindsight, they, they had to fire me. I mean, it was just, I was, yeah, I was, I was selling Coke out of the place and I was oh, shit, you know, man. all the time. And I was, I was a, fucking mess of a human being. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just, I was and so my, at that point, my, uh, my dad, you know, he, there was a program for me to go into in Mexico city, living with my family and getting clean. And, and I didn't really speak Spanish at all. And okay. so basically his thought was, I could get into the least amount of trouble there because I don't know anyone. I don't know the language. <laughs> it was an English okay. program I could go to there, uh, rehab program. And so uh, I did that. And uh, I was only supposed to be there for a few weeks uh, to a month. Uh -huh. I ended up staying there for three years. Dang. Uh, just because I fell in love with living down there. And I started teaching English down there and uh, just really kind of found myself and, and, yeah, I just and just cleaned what, up. What part of uh, Mexico City uh, were you in? So when I moved there, I lived in a place called Satellite. It's a, the Colonia Satellite with my family, and then uh, moved to another Colonia called Shola. Uh, and then my last, I guess, year there, I lived um, uh, at the time was was attending a church there, an English speaking church in Mexico City. Uh, uh, so it was an area town called Lomas de Chapultepec. Uh, and lived with a family there that attended the church I was at, I was working at. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so kind of, it's, it's some different places around there and uh, yeah. around the city. Yeah. I, I love that city. It's, it's, I think it's one of the best cities in the world. It's underrated. Oh, yeah. It's so, so amazing. Oh, it's yeah, I've only been to like the, the main like downtown and Roma and, and places like that, but oh, it's, like, yeah. it's so incredible. Yeah. yeah I love we, that place. The food is, is unbelievable. Oh man, <laughs> so I, I have like the whole wall restaurants that are still there that were there when I lived. Oh, down wow! There. And so, no way. And so, when I go, like my wife and I, um, over the past few years, have been have been there a few times, um, and it's it's like I still go to the same 
the same dives I went to and the same back of the uh, That's amazing. Uh, and they, they haven't changed, huh? Not at all. No, the same. That's, same that's wild. <laughs> that's wild. That is really wild. But yeah, yeah, whenever we go now, we'll say like in Colonia Roma or Condesa and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and stuff. But there's a, there's a street taco place in the centro and in, in, in downtown area that's that we go to all the time that's really good those cool cool i went there yeah i, I don't speak i don't speak very good english <laughs> so i was a mess i was just like it's moved so fast there oh yeah and so so i didn't know what to do or or if he was talking to me or talking to somebody <laughs> else and i got so confused but the food was amazing yeah yeah you can't get yeah. anything like that you can't no no yeah yeah, that place that place is incredible. Everything cooking in the in the one pot. Yeah, in one pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On yeah, that place is tacos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That place is great. Um, was uh was the drug uh, culture pretty prevalent in kitchens back then? Oh yeah, was it pretty much like was that mainly was that just because they were working so much and they they needed something to keep going, or was it just like a? I mean, everyone. Kind of, spoke- Smoke pot, but it was it was like really bad swag, and it was mostly like stems and seeds all compressed, and you know, yeah. <laughs> so, um, remember, like just sitting in the living room, you had your shoebox lid, and like breaking apart all the stems and seeds out of it, and you know, so everyone <laughs> pot, and everyone and, and and coke was cheap and and easily available, and it was, I mean, it was just it's it's kind of the same. Uh, fortunately. Back then, we really didn't have to worry about like fentanyl, which is an, oh, okay. Example. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, um, now it's it's such a. I, I I talk to, I talk to folks, and it's such a. It's 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 terrible now because you have to worry about you know something being cut with fentanyl and, and dying. And yeah. It's, um, yeah. You know, we didn't. Which might be a, a might be a good deterrent, I guess, for people to not so. <laughs> use so much so many drugs. But yeah, I, I hope I hope I hope so. I think I think that. Um, you know, people's relationship with, 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 with different drugs or marijuana or, or Coke or, or alcohol is, is, is different. I think there are some drugs that are, um, that everyone should stay away from because they're just awful. I think any, I think things like heroin and opioid addiction are, are awful. I think, yeah. Uh, but, but like, you know, for some people, I think smoking marijuana is, uh, fantastic and great. And their relationship that with my relationship with something like marijuana is very different than my relationship with alcohol. And, um, but like with Coke, I didn't have an off switch and, uh, and I would just, yeah. I, I was that really annoying person at like, you know, five <laughs> in the morning when it runs out and everyone's like ready to leave. And I'm like, no, I'm still going. And, uh, <laughs> I was that guy. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was, was that, was that reinforced by the, the kitchens uh, you were in or were you kind of that, that one guy out? Um, at first it was reinforced by just the people I hung around and it was just, yeah. it was the thing to do. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it, it, it's never something like someone forcing you to do drugs. It just happened to yeah. be available and it happened to be something I really enjoyed. And, and, yeah. and so I, I dove in and did it. And, you know, during the course of over, over, you know, a few years, there were people in my life that, that especially in that last year or so that, that I worked with, in bars and restaurants to try to intervene and be like, Hey man, you mean this is too much. And so, um, there were those people that were, that I worked with that were friends and, and that, that, 
try to deter me. And even in, in, in during that time period, if there were little stints, I was like, okay, I need to lay off. Even people that were, that I hung out with were like, were great about being like, nah, don't, don't do that around Joel. He's trying to, you know. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was because the people that I, that I worked with in, in those kitchens and those restaurants, we all loved each other and we all cared yeah. a, a lot like restaurants and stuff. I mean, even today it's that family. Um, and I don't mean family is like an owner operator saying this is a family, but you know, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. you spend, you spend more time at that. your at your, your kitchen or your, your bar or whatever than you do at home sometimes. Oh, so. absolutely. It's your, it becomes your family in so many ways for, for people that a lot of times don't have any food in their cupboard. Like, your shift, their shift meal is the only meal they eat that yeah. day. Uh, they get kicked yeah. out of their house for one reason or another. Uh, it's usually the people you work with that you crash on their couch or you end up getting yeah. a, getting an apartment or a house with. Um, and so they really do become your family. And I've, I've you know, worked in different industries over my lifetime. And this is the only industry that I've ever seen that sort of dynamic in. Yeah, and, for sure. And it's... Uh, I guess there's a lot of beauty in that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of love there. And um, yeah. a lot of times it's just people coping with shit the best way they know how to. And a lot of times exactly, it's, yeah. it's not the healthiest. And so um, yeah. a lot of things haven't changed since the mid nineties. And except for now, over, especially over the past three, five years, three to five years, you've seen people talk about mental health more and yes. you know, sobriety and wellness and taking care of themselves uh, mm-hmm. and there's some people at the forefront of that that have been really, really fantastic. So, uh, yeah. When you came back, you said you ended up, uh, being a, a bartender. Yeah. Was there any sort of conflict in your mind about, about having to do that? No, I just, again, my relationship with alcohol is something different. I've, I've, okay. I've been clean from hard drugs for, uh, for 26 years. Um, but I, I will still drink once in a while, but it, it's alcohol for me has always been one of those things that, you know, I, I can go two months without having, without drinking anything and I can yeah. have a glass of wine or I can have a cocktail. I'm, I was never really, Oh, okay. You were really a drinker. Was never, it was, I was not really a drinker. It wasn't something mm-hmm. I, I liked being alert and aware of everything and being like, <laughs> okay, <you> know, <laughs> level 12. <clears throat> and that's why yeah. for me was the biggest, it was, was something okay. I got out of hand. So. That's definitely, that definitely goes hand in hand with, uh, with kitchen work for sure. Cause kitchens oh, yeah. are kind of on level, you know, that oh. high oh. adrenaline, high speed. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. I mean, there's, you know, during a time, I time period, I you can't tell you how many, you know, backs of urinals I did bumps of Coke off of. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, but, uh, um, but it's then coming not- back and bartending, yeah, it was, the you know the mindset for me really was just a job, and again, I still love that dynamic. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew that I could do it without being destructive, and by that point in my life, I could even be around you know coke and stuff and not want it. Like like I you know I've your mentality had changed your completely, and it was yeah. I think it was addressing uh, just continually like addressing in my life and making positive strides and doing positive things in my life to where it just, when I thought about it or look at it, even to this day, I'll be, when I see it now, I think of, you know, all of those times at like nine in the morning, 
I'm driving, yeah. I was driving back home just after being up all night and watching people go to yeah. work and just being yeah. like hot and sweaty and can't breathe. And, and it's just how yeah. miserable that day is out of the, you know, out of the hundreds, hundreds of nights I was on, on Coke or on meth. I can maybe two nights. I can remember that were like fun nights, you know, oh, shit. So it's yeah. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. When you, when you step back and look at this scope of all of that, it's like, it, it really wasn't great. And there's so many, it's more, yeah. you know, so, uh, like when I was in college, I was, uh, I, I did part of college in Portland, Oregon and lived there in Portland. And, uh, I got really into doing outdoor stuff and, uh, you know, I, I, yeah. I camping and hiking. And, and so I, that was, that became an addiction and, and I'm, I'm an addict. I, I just am and, and by personality and I'm, I admit that. And I just, it just found different things in my life to be addicted to. Yeah. More healthy things. Yeah. Healthy things. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And, uh, when, how long before you, uh, ended up finding St. City and, and herd and yeah, those organizations? So, so, uh, so I, you know, I started, I, I, I got married and had kids started working in healthcare business development. Um, just cause mm-hmm. I basically, I needed to start making money and uh, supporting a family. During the course, of it's that, hard to do that on on Cook's salary or a bartender's salary. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, so I started doing that, and then um, uh, during the course of that, uh, I especially the the last five or six years, I was I was I did I worked in the healthcare industry. Um, I was doing a lot of consulting for people that had bars and restaurants, and helping them uh, either develop menus or marketing strategies. Or working with them on uh, on 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 teaching their kitchen staff food costing and things like that. Uh, so I started cool. I started doing a lot of consulting over the period of a few years, uh, and just because my in my life that's kind of always where I've gone back to in the service industry. I just feel more I feel more at home in a restaurant or bar than I do in an office. It's just always yeah. in for me. Um, yeah, and so. Uh, even, you know, in my forties, I'm like that. And so when, uh, I left the healthcare industry at the end of 2016, um, and, uh, the beginning of 2017, I decided I wanted to, uh, really do something that gave back and that was meaningful to me. Uh, and so I created St. City, uh, in the beginning of 2017. And I knew that I wanted to do something that the focus was on the sustainability of people that worked in food and beverage and mm-hmm. different ways and shapes and forms. And so I started Herd as, you know, providing uh, mental health and wellness and uh, addiction recovery resources for people that worked in the industry. And that over the period of a couple of years uh, morphed into what it is now. And then over the pandemic, it just kind of blew up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the need, the need was definitely there. Yeah. And I think when I met like right before the pandemic started, like literally a month or two before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that is wild to think about because it was, it was, feels like ages ago. feels like a lifetime ago, but yeah. I, so I didn't know that, that herd was that new. I thought, I thought uh, it had been around for, for a a while. Yeah. 2017 is when we started. And, And when we started, I mean, there were only, there were really only a couple of people doing what we did in the U S um, mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. You had 
uh, Kat Kinsman, um, who's an editor of Food and Wine magazine, and she has she started in in twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen a group called Chefs with Issues uh, that focused mm-hmm. on mental health of people that worked in kitchens, uh, and she was kind of like my inspiration for starting her. Yeah, and then you had Ben's friends, uh, who uh, Mickey Bax and uh, Steve Palmer had started uh, on the East Coast in South Carolina, uh, focusing on on sobriety support um, and recovery. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple of people doing in the realm of what what I want to do with Herd. And so uh, what was really amazing was just the support and what's reaching out to those those different people. Like okay you know, we need more people like this and doing this. But uh, did, did, you said you reached out to those people. Did they, did they end up helping you? Oh, tons. Sort of yeah. Organize herd? That's I, awesome. Um, so like, like they helped in, in, as far as like, like referring people and stuff, for example, yeah. they're in, they're in Austin yeah, getting to know Philip Spear and, uh, and for, for the, the first few years of having heard there in Austin, Kali Spear, Philip's ex, uh, was was helping us with herd, and so we would refer people that were specifically in addiction recovery that worked in in restaurants. Refer them to Ben's friends, being like, "This group is has support groups that specifically focused on sobriety, and vice versa." If, if he had people that were looking for more of like a, a mental health support group, they'd refer it to uh, people to us. Uh, and so, because ultimately, we you know we we weren't heard, wasn't really preaching sobriety. We just, we focus on balance and balance looks different for everyone. And for some people that's mm-hmm. sobriety and uh, completely uh, for some people uh, it is really just kind of taking a step back and implementing some wellness practices in their life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, really what we want people to do is just break up the rut of getting off of work at three in the morning, driving through Whataburger, you know, Going home, smoking bowls, yes. beers, going to bed at six in the morning, waking back up at three in the afternoon and doing it all over again. Cause when you're yeah. 21 years old, 20, 21 years old, that's, that's a sustainable, you can do that for a while, but <laughs> yeah. um, you start seeing guys that are, that are lifers that are in their early mid thirties and things start shutting down, but you have uh, yeah. coronary yeah. issues and, and things, they may not have a serious you know, addiction problem, but they just haven't been to a doctor in 10 years and they didn't know they developed a blood pressure issue and all of a sudden they have a heart attack at 36. And so it's just because they haven't had insurance because they've been working at places that don't offer insurance or the insurance exactly. are way out of reach for them. When you're making $10 an hour, $11 an hour, you know, $340 a month for healthcare for for your health insurance, it's, it's not attainable. It's not. So what we did like with our telehealth program is we wanted people for $29 a month, they can at least have a primary care physician via telehealth that they can monitor like things like their blood pressure meds or mm-hmm. birth control. Or if they get sick, they can get antibiotics for, you know, like bronchitis or something. And then uh, yeah, uh, instead of having to go to the ER and sit all day long or go to, you know, scrounge up $150 to go to the urgent care center. Yeah. 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 So it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, again, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely neat. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat. I, I didn't have healthcare until I think right before the pandemic, I think 2017. Yeah. And I was 33 or 34, something like that. I mean, it's like, 
it's, it's crazy. I spent that much time, 10 years in the industry without any health insurance. Yeah. And I hadn't seen a doctor as well in something like <laughs> 10, eight or 10 years, you know, since I was like 23 or 25 or something. So yeah, yeah I mean, it, it catches up to you fast. I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're working that hard, you know, like I, you said, you were working three jobs at one point and yeah. when you're working that hard and that many hours, and then you're playing just as hard, you know, you're drinking and going out and eating bad food, man, yeah. that catches up real quick. You don't think it does, but then all of a sudden you're 35, 36 and, and you're feeling it. Yeah, hard, absolutely. So. And it's, it's, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm 47 now and I see, I still see, I see cooks that are back there at my age, still in the kitchens, you know, so I don't know how they do it. I don't know how. Yeah. I do not do. Yeah. I did like a, a tells of the cocktail this past summer. I did like a guest bartending shift, uh, uh, for a brand there. And mm-hmm. I was, it was maybe six hours on my feet bartending. And I was, I was just, my body was just trash after six hours. <laughs> and my knees, I was like, I can't, I can't imagine this, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, our uh, the right. dishwasher at my job right now is he's fifty one, I think, and I'm like, Ooh. I can't, I can't imagine. And he works more than me. He works, he works, you know, uh, sixteen hour days sometimes, and he's very proud of it. He's like, I'm still fifty one and I'm strong as an ox. But yeah, I'm like, it's how man? Boxing <laughs> yeah. on, yeah, to stand, at, you know, with your back just bent like that, straight for that many hours. Yeah, you know. It's just, it's, it's a physically taxing job and, and restaurant jobs are just physically taxing jobs. And a lot of people don't realize how physically taxing they are. So, yeah. you know, there's some restaurants like here in San Antonio on the river walk, you know, there, you'll see waiters that are, that are guys in their mid fifties that have been working on the river walk, waiting tables for, you know, for 30 years. And yeah, I, I, I think it, it, it does slip people's mind, the general public, that that these are physically taxing jobs. These are not, you know, lifting plates, yeah. and trays of food, and uh, especially like standing American, on your feet. Yeah, standing just on your alone. feet. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's it's just. Um, I, I again, when the pandemic started, there was this this a lot of empathy. It seemed like for people that worked in restaurant there's a lot of attention on, on them and, and getting them taken care of. And now that we're back to business as normal, I see a lot of behaviors from, from diners and customers and just general public. That's kind of gotten back to the, the same, you know, Oh, that's just, a, that's just a server. Those are just the cooks or, and it's, it's, yeah. it's like, you, yeah. Wages are still shitty a lot of times. Um, yeah. there, there, again, there are, there are exceptions and there's some owner operators are doing an amazing job of taking care of their people. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of time, for a lot of people, the wages are really shitty for that physical of work and, yeah. and the way customers treat people a lot of times. And it's just, and, and it's, there's just a, a lot of times it's general lack of empathy for people that work in the service industry. And yeah. uh, I don't know how to change that. I know? don't, I don't know either. It's, it's, it's a complicated issue. For yeah. sure, you know, but uh, but I do see that there's quite a bit of it's it's there's a lack of people coming into the industry, and I wonder if that's sort of why I don't I don't know, but there's definitely a lot of young people that don't want to do this anymore. Oh yeah. And so I mean, I'm sure you know a lot of restaurateurs or or chefs and or bar owners who are having a hard time finding people just because oh, yeah. people don't really want to do this work anymore. You know. 
And it's, part of that is that it's just it's just shitty sometimes. It's, it is, and it's really hard yeah. work. And I was watching this one interview with Gary Vee where he said, you know, people are worried about the great resignation and just wait till people see the great not going to show up in the first place. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think the mindset of this generation coming in that that the American dream of I want to work really hard to become wealthy is out the door and you see more and more like I have two of my kids are in college now and you mm-hmm. see more of a, what do I need just to be happy? Oh, I just need to make, you know, $45,000 a year to have, you know, for this life I like. And I can do that by, you know, like flipping, sit on flipping stuff on eBay or, you know, or doing this yeah. and see that they can use their own creativity to, to make a, a life where they're just comfortable and and that's becoming more and more appealing. I think the whole, you know, work your ass off to get, you know, to get the whole, to get the house and the yard and the things. And they're like, well, we're, we're not, we can't afford a $500,000 house. Like, yeah. anyway, so like, I'm not, I'm yeah. just be comfortable renting. And I think that's, I think that's great. Again, I think owner operators have a challenge in front of them of how they're going to attract and retain, you know, workers that are quality. And I don't put that off on the workers. That's not, no, I, no, I don't, no, I don't, no. I, 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 you hear some people go, well, people just don't want to work anymore. Well, no, not for $10 an hour doing backbreaking. Exactly. Work. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I, I think that the, the mind shift of, of this generation coming up is just different and uh, mm-hmm. owner operators are going to have to figure out how to, work with those and, 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 and make money. And it's a challenge. I mean, I mean, for sure. Restaurant margins are tiny. I get it. I, I really do. I miss oh, yeah. food margins. Unless you have a really good bar program, your margins are, are, are <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's not, I don't think it's a lack of, of desire from owner or from a lot of owner operators, just independent owner operators. It's just, it's just a really hard business model now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's, um, I hope that it's sort of shifting more towards like, you know, everybody talks about sustainability in the sense of, uh, of, you know, an environmental sustainability. But I think, I hope that there's going to be some sort of shift in like sustainability of the workforce. You know what I mean? Like don't yeah. build a 200 seat restaurant that you can't get exactly. people to work. And then, and then you're overworking the people who actually do work there. It's like, exactly. you know, make a sustainable restaurant that has enough seats and you have a menu that's sustainable to make sure you're, your people are taken care of. And then also they don't have to overwork yeah. to get that menu at the door. Exactly. I think, I think things like, yeah, having a menu that's not 40 pages long and having, yeah. you know, and making simple food really good. Um, yeah. and, and, and actually designing your restaurant back a house for, for a staff that makes the job easier, more accessible uh, for them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if for, for some restaurants, don't don't buy plates that weigh fucking fifty pounds a plate. You know? <laughs> have, yeah, definitely in San Antonio, man. I've been to some restaurants in San Antonio. You're like, did you? When did you make this plate? This plate is like from the 1940s. Yeah, it's, I look. I like these poor these bus boys are breaking their back. <laughs> yeah, like, man. Tables with these like huge Tex-Mex plates that weigh like ten pounds yeah. piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Man, have you seen a challenge? Yeah, have you seen a, a sort of 
increase or decrease after the after the pandemic uh, in terms of who who you guys are taking care of like have people gone back to their normal um routines or have people kind of maintained and, and stayed with herd i think of, i think we've had yeah. a mix of both um i think okay. i think that um as the as as the words gotten out we do get um it's a roller coaster like we'll have some weeks where we have uh, a lot of people attending like a support group and then uh, sometimes we'll just have like four or five and it, it, it just, huh. um, it just, it's a roller coaster. And I think a lot of depends on schedule and, and just in, and, and desire and, and people not yeah. wondering, is this, is this really helping or, but in general, I do see a shift in things like mental health and wellness being in the conversation. Yeah. I see uh, like going to something like Tales of the Cocktail and seeing that there are that there are a lot of more like non-alcoholic options and yeah, uh, really doing sure. uh, focusing on things like wellness and uh, moving your body and doing things like that. I think that is taking care of yourself is is really been pushed to the forefront within the industry and that's mm-hmm. promising and that's it's leaps and bounds you know, above what we've seen in the past. Yeah. I think if, if, if anything though, um, again, it's just going to be about making it about normalizing that conversation. And I'm, I'm yeah. you know, grateful for people like Philip Spear, who's a chef that is well-respected and, and like he's done a great job of normalizing wellness and, and moving your body and running and this, and, and it's, and for people especially to work back in the house, having, more people like that that are that are like okay i can be a chef or i can be a cook and i can still you know i can i can take up running or take up yoga or rock climbing or something i think it's it's just going to take more people like that to uh to normalize it for for back of house people back of house people are so different that i'm one of those few that i did both and uh every you know job in the restaurant at some point it's and there it's a very different dynamic than you know, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back of house people tend to be a little more stubborn. They're a little more like yes. they're kind of uh, they kind of like their suffering. You know what I mean? It's like no, I I, oh, I yeah. don't work out, and I I drink oh, yeah. more than you, and that kind of thing. So yeah, working Whereas front of house people, I think I think they just they like treat themselves a little nicer. To yeah, some extent. <laughs> me too. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think you're. I think you're definitely right. I think it. I think it does kind of come from. Because people look to chefs now as like kind of tastemakers and things. It's it'd be nice to see more chefs talking about um, treating the workers better and and yeah. their 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 cooks being healthier and things as opposed to just pushing food forward or you know trying to get Michelin stars and stuff. Oh it'd yeah, be cool. If those two things went hand in hand, but you don't see it very often. I'm hoping. I mean, I'm hoping that that we start seeing more of a shift of like. I think you know the Michelin process and those things that 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 there's such a level of ridiculousness in in that a lot of that yeah, there's like it's just I'm hoping we see more in a shift again towards just doing really good, really simple food really well, you know, and and mm-hmm. there's such a again there's such a beauty in that that like you know making things simple for your staff and providing something great for the public and uh and and uh, the sustainability part piece of it so yeah yeah um well what's the what is the main um i guess 
the bread and butter of of herd? Like what um, what do you guys do on a on a day to day basis? Um, right now, again, we just um, it's just as as people request help finding again low cost or or, or resources for them in their community uh, to get to, to get help with mental health and resources and uh, or, or or finding you know that that resource in their city that helps provide psychiatric care to uh, if, if if they're in need if they're having you know if it's a mental illness. Uh, that they have to, that they're working with anxiety, depression, uh, that they can get that help and, and not just ignore it because it's so expensive or, or, yeah. And, and so connecting people is in with those mental health resources, uh, and, and providing that, um, weekly support group model for people to, uh, to utilize, uh, to at least dip their feet in the water to start talking about, uh, issues they have, celebrating successes coming together with some like-minded people in the industry uh, to be like, we, cause for a lot of people, it's, 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 it's mental health triage. It's just the, the needing to be connected and feel connected yeah. to someone that's like-minded. And that's what, for the majority of people that work in the service industry, that's, um, that's what keeps us there in the first place is that connectivity. Uh, yeah, that, for sure. Uh, we're kind of, uh, for people that are uh, especially like career service industry people, we're all wired the same for the most part. Yeah, we all uh, uh, thrive on that connectivity with others. We are uh, people pleasers. Uh, our yeah, is to be nurturing and taking care of people in our own way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You know, as rough as 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 rough and tumble as as people back at house are, you know, you you're those are that's your crew, and that's. And you all have each other's backs, and and so that's, yeah. um, and, and again, caring and taking care of your tribe has been such a normal characteristic for people that work in our industry. Uh, so, sure. so just taking care of that, I think, and again, normalizing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you guys still do the um, the the meetings? I think I I met you when you were doing a, a meeting. Yeah, so we haven't we we haven't we haven't been able to do one in in, in a while. Um, a lot of that has been because um, me being one person, I haven't I can't I can't yeah. go to different places just by you there. Yeah, finding uh, finding people um, that that can do it in in, in particular cities face to face has been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the online group uh, has worked so well. We have a group of moderators in different parts of the country that all take turns uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, moderating the online group and on Zoom. Uh, and we found that model has worked really well with people's schedules and people's transportation needs, and, uh, and they can just utilize their phone. And also, the, it seems to be more accepted dipping your foot in the water on an online Zoom meeting. Where you can Instead just sort of going to a place and right, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. that's again, it was such a roller coaster with places like when we, uh, when we were doing face to face groups, sometimes we would have you know six, eight, ten people there, sometimes we would have two, sometimes we'd have weeks in Austin where we would have nobody come. Oh, damn, before the pandemic, and yeah, uh, so it was just it was just really challenging. So, but we'll do face to face things once in a while, uh, you know, whether it be a mental health first aid clinic or an education uh, mixer, like a financial 101, mm-hmm. uh, the service industry folks. So we'll do things once in a while, but that weekly support group meeting on Zoom 
is is very consistent. And we have such an amazing group of volunteer moderators. They're all bartenders, or they work in restaurants. And that's great. That's yeah. awesome. Um, what's on the What's on the horizon for you guys? You guys just keep trucking along, or you guys keep got any along, changes? Uh, yeah, we've been growing, and uh, and we'll we'll see how how things evolve this coming year with, with herd and, and what's going to happen with mm-hmm. us. And, but uh, yeah, it's our, um, our expectation is that, is that we'll uh, partner with someone that can, that will be able to help scale it and grow it and, uh, and continue on the mission um, of it. That's, uh, that's able to be funded. And uh, again, it's just, it's such, it's one of those things that, that it's, it's a lot of times it's reactionary giving and there sometimes it's a new, yeah. Uh, thing that people are like, you know, really focus their attention and their dollars towards. Uh, I know the economy is really rough right now too for a lot of our corporate givers yeah. who would donate in the, in the past that are uh, really tightening down on their philanthropic giving. Uh, so it's um, so what we've seen that we're seeing those challenges and we'll see how uh, how things go. If 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 nothing else, you know, we'll continue doing like the online meetings and mm. uh, if, if it's just that and just continuing being there as a um, a call-in resource for people yeah. uh, to 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 connect and help in their areas. That's great. That's great. Well, I really hope you guys get that. You guys deserve everything that uh, you uh, need because uh, it's you guys got your uh, you guys got a hell of a lot of work cut out for you. Because yeah. I mean, you know as well as I do, the service industry is um, can be hell sometimes. But yeah, I mean, just getting the work the word out there and stuff is. Uh, yeah is a huge help and, and knowing that there's people out there just that are just like you and that, that uh, are willing to help. So. No, it's just, it's, it's, it's what I love to do. It's I've, I love That's the great. industry and I just, I love the people that work in it and, uh, and that's just kind of where my heart is. So, yeah. Yeah. So if people need, uh, if they're looking for some help, where do they go? What do they need to do? Um, go to our website. I heard uh, is, is a great place to start for resources. Uh, and then if you keep an eye on the Instagram, which is, uh, at herd underscore org, um, it, it'll you know you'll find out the different uh, as far as like our our uh, when we have our Zoom meetings and our, our Spark Room meetings and uh, and find out uh, we have like different subjects each week. Each moderator has a different subject they'll cover, uh, and uh, right now they're doing a lot of holiday stuff. So um, just because holidays look so different for people that work in the industry than for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, so our Instagram and, and online or our website are the best places to, uh, to find us. Great. All right. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Yeah, man. Uh, it was Joel. great. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great hearing your story finally after all this time. Uh, and uh, I really, again, I really appreciate it. Oh, I, I appreciate what you guys do. Oh, I want to do a- anything I can to get the word out and uh, I support you guys. So I appreciate it, appreciate brother. It. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Let me know if you yeah. need anything else. I'll be here for you. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, Thanks. See you. Bye, Joel. Bye. Bye.